What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast brought to you by Hunt, Lift, Eat Official. It's Perry hosting tonight, joined by my co-host, Luke, the, the OGs, man. Yeah, dude, this is awesome. I don't know. The two of us haven't been on one solo, I think, since I deployed and you got busy as hell with work. <laughs> yeah. Now, we were supposed to do this in person when I was in Colorado, you know, 24 hours ago or 36 hours ago. But like usual... That we got drunk. Yeah, we got drunk instead. <laughs> Good <laughs> so figure. Here we are now recording the podcast when we're on opposite sides of the country. Yeah, we, were, we just spent the last week together. Now we're doing one remote. And, you know, it's Wednesday as we're recording, and this one's got to go out on Thursday. So once again, we're fucking cold, which is pretty typical nowadays. <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, we did have intentions of trying to keep putting it off so that we would maximize our chances of, of killing an antelope. And uh, having that to talk about, but spoiler alert, we did not kill an antelope. You know, y'all would have seen it on our social media by now if we had, I'm sure. But um, yeah, that was, you know, we had good intentions, but sorry, Cole. Yeah, it's, uh, it is what it is. It's pretty poor around here for what, what we're all about. So we'll get this one cranked though. I mean, if you guys have been longtime listeners, I know we have a bunch of new ones, uh, but if you haven't, you can, I don't even think you can search through iTunes anymore, but <clears throat> we have some old podcasts of us talking about this exact same hunt that Perry and I did. And it was my second pronghorn hunt. Perry's first it was my first with a muzzleloader. And we learned a lot of valuable lessons, made a lot of mistakes. Uh, Perry, why don't you just kind of run down what some of those like changes from that hunt and the lessons learned give a little recap that or for how we kind of approached it differently or how we didn't. And we still made some of the same mistakes. Yeah. So, I mean, last time, like you said, it was your, it was your second antelope hunt ever first with a muzzleloader, uh, which obviously going from a rifle to a muzzleloader makes a big difference on an antelope. Um, huge difference. It was your, especially in Colorado. Yeah. And, and so this is Eastern Colorado, right? This is plains. This is open hunting. Um, it, it's, we talked about it a ton on the, on the previous episode, but it, it's worth repeating that even though this is plains, it's not flat. Um, it looks flat from the road, but the topography out there is incredibly deceptive. Um, distances are deceptive. And from, for me being, you know, predominantly 99.99% of my hunting experience being on the East coast um, and you having that as your baseline for sure, it it's, it's an adjustment to get used to, the terrain out there, um, judging distances, judging topography, learning how to use it to your advantage, etc. And so the first time we did this hunt, there was just a whole lot of that and a lot of mistakes made, a lot of blown stalks. You know, we're trying to get within, you know, 150 yards of an antelope, of an antelope, an animal that's got the, the eyesight of a turkey is faster than a whitetail. And, you know, it was adapted to, um, like we talked about, it's adapted to to escape the the original North American cheetah, um, which is no longer there, but that's what the, that was the natural predator of these animals. And so they're, they're perfectly suited to this environment and it makes it very difficult to spot and stalk them. So easy to spot them, hard to stalk them. Well, sometimes <laughs> yeah. easy to spot them. Sometimes when they're bedded down, they just materialize 200 yards in front of you and they just materialize. And it's like, they stand up and all of a sudden they're right there. And, and uh, we'll get into that later, but, um, so yeah, so two years ago when we did it, it was my first Western hunt ever, my first antelope hunt ever. I honestly knew very little about the antelope. I've learned a ton about the antelope um, in the past couple of years just from from doing these hunts. 
but going into it, I was an absolute novice, knew very little. And so we made pretty much every mistake you could make the first year. Um, we had some close calls. I actually missed uh, a shot at an antelope on a stalk, got within relatively close range first year, missed a, missed a shot. Um, and so there were, there were a lot of lessons learned this year. We, we decided we were going to do some things differently. For one, we both got, we got new muzzleloaders. We got upgraded modern muzzleloaders. Um, for those that don't know in Colorado, you can only use muzzleloaders with open sights and <laughs> a little preview. You can only use, um, loose powder. And so two years ago when we did this, I had done this muzzleloader antelope hunt and then a muzzleloader uh, elk hunt with Evan, which was another podcast episode. You can listen to that. And I guess in my mind, I just assumed that the, because the Idaho muzzleloader restrictions are even more so than Colorado. And I remembered using loose powder at some point. I guess I just thought it was an Idaho and I was just didn't check the rigs. So classic mistake. And I had well, that and you didn't actually probably load the muzzleloader at all last year because you brought a muzzleloader that didn't work. And we had to hunt two guys, one muzzleloader, which sounds like a shitty early 2000s <laughs> bad, you know, viral video. But yeah, right. Yeah. No, good point. So I, I had that whole debacle the first year. And so, yeah, you're right. I didn't. I just I didn't I didn't load it. And so I just didn't even think about it. So I buy this new muzzleloader, get it all sighted in, dialed in and ready to go with, um, you know, with the pellets. And uh, it turns out you can only use loose powder in um, Colorado. So we had to we had to overcome that little hurdle early on in the trip before we could go hunt. But anyway, so those are those are those were the uh, the breakdown of the muzzleloader. We did have the what was that site called? It's the Williams Precision Muzzleloading Site, Western Precision, excuse me, uh, from Williams. And so <clears throat> the big thing last year, so I had a kind of a standard muzzleloader CVA Optima. It's like the mid, their mid range one. It's not, it's nothing to phone home about. Right. And it had the standard fiber optic sights that come on a open sight muzzleloader. Typically what you see the issue that we ran into, and it happened to me twice where I didn't take shots that I had that were within the range. Uh, they were frontal shots is because that front sight post on that was a fiber covered up the entire chest is was, was wider than the actual chest of the antelope. And on hindsight, I probably should have just centered up and sent the shot, you know, cause you're, you know, on a front full frontal on antelope with a 50 cal muzzleloader, you're going to kill it or you're going to miss typically. Right. But I just wasn't comfortable. And so I didn't take the shot. Well, I did a ton of research afterwards cause like there's gotta be something better out here. And I found this, this site. And so it's a ghost ring rear site. So if you're not familiar with that, instead of like a typical V it's a ghost ring. So it's a circle rear like a peep. And then on the front, it's, you can, it's actually removable. So you can put in a uh, fiber if you want, or you put in a crosshair. And so it's not, it's not magnified. It's an iron sight, but it has a crosshair and there's different crosshair reticles that they offer. Uh, and then they, they actually have your elevation markers, like you would see on the typical uh, scope that's got that. And so you can adjust with your reference points for your different ranges up to 200, which is nice on a muzzleloader. And it's significantly more precise and we also upgraded for, to the CVA uh, Acuras. And I went ahead and put the CVA uh, muzzle brake on it as well. Uh, Perry didn't. Not a whole lot of difference, but it, I, I do think that it, it does help mitigate the recoil a lot. Um, the recoil uh, was not very significant when I had that muzzle brake on. 
So, but that setup, I, I went, I'm very confident with what that setup is. Now, as far as us getting our zeros as tight as they should, that's another story. That's a, a mistake we kind of repeated um, from last year, but because it's difficult with those sites because they don't adjust with like clicks. Right. So you loosen it up and then you're just kind of tapping. And so it's not a very precise adjustment. And so it's hard to get that thing really dialed. And what we should have done probably in hindsight is just driven out to our cabin. Uh, that's like an hour and a half away, but we've got a hundred yard range actually on it. And we could have just been there, but we went to a range that was right off outside of Fort Carson. And if anybody's ever been to the Cheyenne mountain range, it is a wind tunnel. Yeah. And so like it was, I mean, my, I shot my six, five and at the end and I shot one shot that was like three inches high into the left. And then one shot that was dead on. And I was like, and both shots felt the exact same. And that thing I can usually stack at a hundred. I can stack three rounds in the same damn, damn near the same hole. And I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to make an adjustment off this. Cause this is silly. The wind was so bad. It was, I mean, it had to be 20 plus mile an hour sustained winds with, double that gust. I mean, it was just minimum. If, yeah. It might've been higher more. than that gust. Yeah. And so, you know, I had sighted in my muzzle. It was knocking the, the binos were on the tripod, heavy 12 by's 12 by fifties. And it knocked them over twice. Yeah. Them over. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I had sighted in my muzzle loader at our cabin back home in Virginia and got it dialed. Um, I had to make a minor adjustment to it, which again, like you said, it's not a very precise adjustment mechanism, which is a little bit frustrating, but um, just take your time. Don't over adjust. And, and I got it. I got it dialed in, ready to go. felt good. Then the whole powder issue, not doing it with loose powder was a, you know, a bit of a faux pas. And, you know, after flying with it, we've talked about this before. We just wanted to confirm zero. Um, you know how those airlines are. Actually, I saw the, the airline lady <laughs> just totally slam my case as after she checked it and threw it on the belt. And I was like, golly, lady, you just looked at this and saw that it was a firearm. Can you like, <laughs> dude, they don't give a shit. <laughs> and the funny part was like, she was nice. She had great customer service, was very polite and professional. And then just like totally slammed my case on the belt. I was like, oh, come on. So anyway, wanted to go confirm zero. And like I said, the range was just an absolute wind tunnel. Um, I had two shots that were um, the left and right was a little bit off. Um, and they were both consistently about an inch, maybe an inch and a half low. And the range guy actually made the point to us that the wind was kind of right in our face. I mean, there was certainly a crosswind, but it was kind of coming over this ridge straight in front of us and then down the range toward us. And he was like, you know, are you low? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, with that big 50 caliber bullet, there's a good chance the wind is, is pushing that down. And since I wasn't super low, um, and it was consistently low, I decided just to leave it. But the bottom line was neither one of us left that range feeling that great about our zeros. I mean, we were hoping to have them, you know, dialed and, you know, feeling confident about it. We knew they weren't way off. They were in the, <laughs> in the ballpark, but that's not exactly the, the, um, you know, the, the mindset that you want to have going into a hunt. And so just, just another, another mistake, lesson learned. Um, again, you know, we were, we were close, but we should have had it a little bit more dialed. Well, and I even said it on the podcast when we were talking about this back in the spring or summer for prepping this was like, I was like, man, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to make sure I'm at range. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. And then I didn't, you know, and it's like, I just let life get in the way and I made excuses. And I mean, I, it's dial. I mean, it's 
zeroed. Like, I mean, but it's not, I don't, you don't have that level. Like I wanted to be shooting at 200, grouping at 200 and knowing exactly what my point aim, point impact was having all that. Like right now, if I had to take a shot at 200 off that zero, it would be a little bit of like sending it, you know, instead yeah. of having that like a hundred percent knowing where that round's going to go, which right. you're never going to know with a muzzleloader anyways, because there's just so much variability with moisture and the powder burn and like things just, there's just a lot of variables with a muzzy uh, regardless. And so just that to, not have that confidence going in is definitely uh, an error on our part. You know, I let the business, I've been doing a ton of travel for the business and, and the hunting, which is what I always say. It's like, I started this company so I can hunt more and it actually becomes the bottom of the priority list. Yeah. Um, like today I didn't go hunt on this tag cause I had a <laughs> bunch of stuff I had to do for HLE that I put off while me and you were hunting and running around together. Uh, so but you know it, it is it, but that's real life and everybody experiences that you know most of us have at our age have kids and life and jobs and you know you're trying to balance it all and you know you're going to be a gone so you don't want to you know take a half day to go to the range and a muzzleloader is a pain in the ass anyways right you can't just yep. like, go into the rifle and you, sh- you can hammer out five rounds get a tight group and then you're out of there it's a right. fucking process like even yep. at the high end like the higher end muzzleloader that we have it's like you still want to clean it like four or five shots is pushing it really you should be probably cleaning it every, you know, three and then at least getting a good swab, reoiling the barrel, doing all that stuff to take care of it. And so it gets, it just, it's a process and we should have been more deliberate. And something we've talked about is we need to be in the future. We always just need to put a day on the front end, like an extra day before the hunt. That's the, like, let's, it's the unfuck ourselves day. Yep. We know we can dedicate it to the range. We know, because that was the other thing is we had to burn up a half day hunting for that. Yep. Yeah. Because the, that was, that was Thursday. That was day one of the season. I flew in Wednesday. And so you got you know, late where none of the ranges were open and it was too yeah. late for us to, if we had driven to the, the cabin, cabin, it would have been dark. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, we're, we're going to get into this later, but we have another trip coming up here soon and we did build an extra day into it. And granted, this is a rifle hunt. So like you say, it's going to be easier, but we're going to still go confirm zeros and make sure our rifles are dialed. And I'm really glad that we, we actually are going to end up having like a day and a half by the time it's all said and done, because I got a relatively early flight, don't have the you know the family, wife, and kids, and all that, and all that baggage too. So I mean, we'll have <laughs> literally figure out. Good thing, thing Melissa doesn't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, ah, she'll never she'll never hear that. Don't worry. No. Uh, <laughs> That'll be what Cole cuts and puts on Instagram. <laughs> He'll be like, "Oh, you fuckers do this the night before." <laughs> yeah, tags my wife in it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're, we'll have a day and a half for Wyoming. So that was maybe maybe one of these days we'll we'll truly have it all um, figured out. And you know, again, you you didn't shoot, and I I thought I had my shit dialed and ready to go. And then you know I make a stupid mistake by not realizing that you have to use loose powder. And so you know these things happen. It is life, but it's just it's another opportunity to to learn from your mistakes and hopefully do it better the next time. So um, we we burned up half a day. Thursday um, on the range, we we eventually decided we weren't going to be able to get them dialed in any better than they were. We were going to sit there and spin our wheels. So we're like, let's just go hunt. We'll kind of we'll kind of use the rest of Thursday as a scouting day. Um, we'll obviously hunt as well, but we'll just go kind of get a lay of the land. So that's what we did. Well, that was actually our closest encounters were on Thursday, yeah. like our best opportunities, and that was. So I didn't buy a doe tag for this unit like I did two years ago last year, we didn't hunt it cause I was deployed. Uh, so I had, we both had buck tags. I didn't get the doe tag on the draw because I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to go and, uh, 
see what comes out for like rifle dough maybe in the area and all this stuff and just see what happens on the leftover list. Well, there wasn't great options. So I was like, oh, I'll just snag a tag. Well, I don't even know how much I should go into this because I don't know how it all works anyways. But I, <laughs> when I put in for all these, I was still stationed at Fort Carson. And so when I drew all my tags, I was stationed at Fort Carson. Now I'm technically stationed in Louisiana. I own a house. My family is in Colorado but I'm a Tennessee resident because I'm military. So like <laughs> the residency thing is super sketch right now. And so when I was going in to buy my doe tag, I was like, I don't think I can like straight up say I'm a resident right now. Like I was right. when I bought all my stuff and I still don't even really know. I might, I don't know. Somebody might be calling me and knocking on my door. I think I'm still good. Cause when I bought the tags, but um, I might be fucked up there, but I was like, I'm not comfortable buying these tags and saying I'm a resident with my current situation, even though I own a house, pay taxes, my family lives here, all this other stuff. I was like, I'll just leave the dough tag out of it. Yep. I'm probably going to soon just go ahead because we're moving back to Colorado when I get out of the army here very shortly. So I'm just going to go ahead and do the whole full residency change through the military and, and be the full-time Colorado resident. But, uh, cause this is, a, I should have done that a, prior too. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a hunt where it'd be nice to have a doe tag in your back pocket. I mean, we were after yeah. books, but I mean, yeah. there's a lot of does out there. Well, and you know, as a non-resident, if it's like 375, it's totally not worth it. But no, but it, <laughs> for you as a resident, it's a 40, $37 tag. Like why not have it in your pocket? Right. Yeah, well, exactly. that first day we got into them pretty thick and we actually, we were on one Ridge that was in like a, it was the, like a draw, a drainage that they call it in the West. We call them haulers back East where we're from. But, uh, so we're, we're on the one side of the hauler and these, these does like come up from the bottom and just run. And I had them at 144 yep. and it was four does running. And I actually like put the muzzle loader to my shoulder just cause I wanted to see the sight picture. And I was like tracking, it would have been a hard shot. She was moving. They weren't dead sprint, but I mean, I had a shot at 144 and I, it was a shot that I, with, if, as long as the muzzleloader is where it needs to be, I'm confident I could have made that shot. And it's like, fuck, we could have had first day had a doe on the ground, which would have just like, it's like a pressure release for the rest oh, yeah. of the hunt. Yeah. You know, if you say we got one on the ground, now anything else is just gravy. We got some meat and it just would have been a good momentum boost for the rest. But, you know, well, and especially because I mean, so after the, the frustrations with the muzzleloader, we get out there. It was, it was what, probably one o'clock or something, a little after, a little after midday, early afternoon. And, you know, this is a big unit. It's roughly 8,000 acres, I think, plus or minus. Um, and, you know, we were like, we're just going to start hiking our way in because we, we knew it pretty well. We felt confident in, in how it lays and, and kind of where we wanted to go and what we wanted to see. And so we, but I, I mean, we hiked for, I don't know, pushing an hour without seeing a single antelope and we hadn't seen any on the way in typically like you would you drive by a good chunk of this unit and you can sometimes see them from the road um and we just weren't seeing anything and so it was like man we just were like down after the the muzzleloader issues and spending you know walking probably well over a mile into this unit and not seeing any antelope and then it was just like a flip switched <laughs> It was like yeah, we, a beer can, a beer can popped, and we just started getting <laughs> surrounded by antelope. Well, in so the two years ago when we hunted it, it was the first year this state trust land was open. Right. Um, if you're a detective, it wouldn't be very hard for you guys to figure out where we're hunting. But <clears throat> so it it popped up, and when we were hunting it, it wasn't even on Onyx yet. 
which was super nice. So the only way you knew about it was if you were looking at all the brochures and tracking right. all that shit, which I was at the time, pretty, pretty hardcore. And so we kind of, you know, there's still other hunters out there, but there was not much pressure. It was a no. pretty sweet setup. And because it had never been hunted, or at least, I don't know, only hunted, you know, privately because Colorado, it's not like other states in the West where the state land is just fair game. Uh, it has to be specifically allocated towards hunting. And most of it, the vast majority of it is not like there. Perry was just getting frustrated. I've already gone through this, but he's looking like, I mean, there's a couple hundred thousand acres within 12 miles, 12 minutes of my house. That is just public land, state trust land, but you can't hunt it. You don't have public access. And so, you know, there's literally within a few mile radius of, of your house and where we were, there's hundreds of thousands of acres that are, Covered land. with antelope too. Yeah, but no access. And yeah, yeah, we saw antelope everywhere. And it's just like it's so damn frustrating. But you know, this this is a is really good unit. Is. I mean, yeah, this is a, this is not a bad unit by any stretch. We've had some some awesome encounters there. And like I said, that first year that we did it, there were people out there, but it was it was very low pressure. I mean, it was if we you, knew what we knew now after hunting it that first year, and then it was back to the first year, we would. I, I, I am confident that we both would have antelope on the ground because yeah. they were less on edge, they were less pressured. You could get a little. I mean, we had so many close stalks then with as little as we knew, and now we have the level of experience that we do. But so when we were walking in, though, because I was sitting there, I was like, "Man, I don't know. It's been just been two years now of it being hunted. I don't know what this is going to look like. What the pressure is." And we're, we're hunting and I'm like, and we got there, you know, guys have been there in the morning for opening day. I'm sure there wasn't a ton of people there by the time we got there. And I was like, maybe this unit's just blown out and blasted. Yeah. And we were like, fuck. And we, we didn't see anything. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, the, the beer can opened and shit just got fucking Western yeah, real like, oh, quick. There's some, it, there's some, there's some. And we, we were, I just they were getting felt pushed like, to us. They were oh, running. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was wild. We had some good. We had that one really good. Why don't you talk about that that one good stalk we had? That was a lot of fun, but way further than we thought it was. Yeah. So so after a couple after we started seeing goats and after a couple hours of um of trying to make some some plays, you know, nothing nothing too serious. Um, nothing was like a, a fantastic opportunity. Those does ran out there and you know, 144 yards and, and we saw some other hunters pushing things around. Um we ended up finding this buck um that was kind of down on the bottom so the valley or the the unit is there's kind of a valley that that bisects it um we were up on on one side on a relatively high ridge and then the other side is a little bit flatter but but still has some topo and so anyway we see this buck down on the bottom um it's a long ways off but he's down there feeding and he's by himself and so for those that don't know it's a lot of these a lot of these groups of antelope you know this is the time of year where they're running but so the bucks are kind of chasing them around some, but the does will be kind of, you know, herded up into groups. And then sometimes a buck will, you know, especially a, a more mature older buck will have his little, his little harem of females and there'll be some fawns in there as well. And uh, it's on one part, it's like really tempting because you're seeing a lot of antelope, but the reality is it's really difficult to make, to make moves, to make plays and have successful stalks on these larger groups. And that was, that was one of the lessons we learned the first year and it, it seems, you know, relatively obvious, right? But you see a group of, of 10 antelope and you want to go, you know, you want to go shoot one. But then that's, you know, that's 20 eyes looking back at you. And like I said, these things have amazing eyesight. 
so we just know that that's a that's a much higher level of difficulty. So we we see this buck down there feeding by himself, and even though he's a long way off, we're watching him for a good while, and he's just content. He's just chilling. We don't really see any other hunters that are in the immediate vicinity that would you know have potential to run him off anytime soon. And there's really not many other antelope in the neighborhood. Um, so it's it's you know we're kind of looking at it and dissecting this and going, man, we feel like we have an opportunity here. So there's this long kind of um, gully or ravine, you know, drainage that, that goes down, you know, kind of a side drainage that goes down to the main drainage. And we felt like if we got down in there and just tracked it down and kind of bounced back and forth from side to side um, using the, the ravine and the topo um, to kind of hide behind those, those IV lines, those intervisibility lines, that we could probably close a whole lot of distance without him seeing us. And this drainage kind of led what looked like would be more or less right to um, the bottom, which he was feeding just on the other side of. Well, like we said earlier, distances out there are deceiving. And we felt like (laughs) it was what, you know, initially 600 yards or something. And we could get down there. It's just like you get down in there and you're, you're kind of stalking your way through. And it just ended up taking forever. I mean, we were going slow. Um, The sun was like kind of at its, you know, that four o'clock time frame where it's just shining right on you you know it's hot but we didn't want to bust him and he was still down there feeding him and we checked on him we finally work our way all the way down there and the key on these stocks is to just ensure they don't pick you out even at distance right because like you'll think that like it doesn't matter because they're so far off they'll still see the movement and if they just like see you and think like even if they're not threatened and they don't move they just like have that instinct and they'll just keep tabs and now they're going to be looking over there and now you're kind of, it's, it's significantly harder. So if you can avoid the initial detection as you're closing the distance, it's just going to, it, it's really the only way because once they know you're there, you're kind of fucked no matter what. Yeah. And we've tried tactics where you just lay down and you let them just kind of calm back down and it seems to work and then you can kind of make a play, but like, it's just going to slow the process down. And then you always want to be glassing back and just watching his body language, read the body language like you would any other deer, you know, a mule deer uh, any, or a, a white tail, right? Is the head down? Is he feeding? Is he feeding away? Is he looking? Or is he like, you know, postured up, looking, staring, looking right at you? Like it, it, it's very similar to other game, but like, make sure you're always glassing and checking. And then you also want to see, cause they'll, they'll, which foreshadowing, they'll cover a lot more distance just while they're feeding than you think they will. Yeah. So you need to keep references and always be looking for landmarks. But yeah, just a couple I mean, tips there. It'll look like they're just kind of casually feeding around. And next thing you know, they've moved 400 yards and you're like, they, they didn't even, you know, try to move. They were just doing it very casually. So, I mean, we made our way down there. And from the bottom of the gully, where the gully kind of falls apart, we thought it would basically empty it out right into the main drainage. But the reality is it doesn't. And there's still like easily 100 yards, if not more, to get to the main drainage where you would really have some some area to hide. And so we've been watching this buck the whole time, like I said, watching his body language, making sure he never saw us. We were very careful. Don't think he ever did. He was feeding away from us, um, facing away from us the vast majority of the time. And so I just started um, kind of crawling uh, very slowly, but as fast as I could uh, towards the main drainage. And it took a while. And I was not like low crawling on my hands and knees, but just kind of, you know, duck waddling, like I call it. And uh, which is <laughs> gives you gives you a nice little uh, leg workout. But 
um, closed the distance, finally made it to the, the main drainage. There's kind of like one of these, you know, snow shelters, storm shelters out there, which provided a little bit of structure. Um, I thought it would be obvious where that thing was from the creek bed. It looked like it was, you know, kind of right there. I got down in the, the main drainage, the main creek bed, and I couldn't even see the thing, which again, just the, the distance is so deceptive out there. Um, worked my way up, guessed correctly about where it was, popped out, had it in front of me, got around the shelter, and he's still several hundred yards away. And I, you know, I was hoping that maybe he would be close to at least within range by that point. And he's not even close to within range. But he hasn't seen me, and he's still just feeding, feeding away from me very casually, um, calm body language. And so at this point, the sun's starting to get low in the horizon. I know we've got a long walk back to the truck because we're way into the unit by this point. But, you know, what have you got to lose come this far? So made my way up out of the creek bed and just uh, basically started low crawling. There was this um, kind of this existing little path um, between me and him. It looked like the, the farmer uses it to, to drive in when he's checking his cattle or feeding or whatever. And there was enough enough terrain, enough IV lines. And one major difference in this year versus two years ago was the vegetation. A couple of years ago when we did this hunt, it was much drier. Um, and there was very little vegetation. It made stalking very difficult. This year, there was actually some some decent grass, some decent shrubs. You had some vegetation. So if you got down low, you actually had a little bit of cover. Um, it wasn't bad. And so just kind of used to that and low crawled for, again, what felt like forever. And uh, <laughs> looked back a couple of times. At one point, I saw you moving. Um, and this this buck is just moving further and further and further away. And I'm crawling as fast as I can without, you know, trying to be seen. And at, at some point it was starting to get pretty dark and I look up and he's just, you know, I go to, I go to check on him and he spots me and then, or maybe he'd spotted you. I don't know. He spotted one or both of us at some point. And then he kind of got on edge. I don't think he ever really perceived us as a true threat. The light was getting low enough at that point, and I was still low, and you were low. That he, you know, he may have not said, "Hey, that's two humans stalking me," but he saw something he didn't like, and yep. um, he was on edge from there on. And then he pretty quickly decided he was gonna gonna get away. And so uh, it was it was fun. It was a long process, and um, I don't feel like we really did anything wrong, other than the fact that we misjudged how far away he was and how long it was going to take us to try to close distance. Yeah, that was so it was interesting because I hung back because I was like, there's not any point in two of us going up there if you're going to shoot. And so I was watching and just kind of observing one. The mosquitoes got so bad once the sun started to dip that I was oh. like, I have to move. Plus, I could see so more than you could for the reference. Because in front, there was that long fence that then yep. went to the 90 degree angle. <clears throat> you were still back at the essentially coming out of the trench and I could just see how far in front of that fence he was. And I was like, there's no <laughs> way. Like, you can't. And that's why I was like, I'm just going to be aggressive. And maybe I can get up there because I can just see more. And I was like, in worst case, you close. Or maybe I bump him. Because they don't always run directly away from you. Right. They might run, like, in J-hook around. I've seen that. They'll do different things when they're pressured. Because they just know they can outrun whatever. So they just kind of, like, run off. And they just kind of choose a direction and run. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll push him back to you or you're going to push him to me or something. I'm just going to be more aggressive because at your pace, when you were crawling, I would I just knew I was like, there's zero chance that you have of being no. able to get to that animal. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Yeah, <laughs> but you just didn't know because you can't tell. When you're looking through the binos, like you have no reference out there. It's so hard. And yeah, and so I might have bumped him because I was a lot more aggressive on trying to get up there. I was basically just like I wasn't even crawling. I was low walking and just trying to close distance as quickly as possible. And but yeah, he he wasn't having it. And the mosquitoes were the worst I've ever seen out there. That was terrible. Yeah, they were brutal. like Washington State. Yeah, it was not fun. And and so I mean, it was fun. It was we that by the time you factor in all the antelope, we ended up seeing that afternoon, and then having a, a legitimate play on one even though it didn't work out um, and we didn't, you know, it's not like we had an opportunity for a shot, but, but felt like we were, you know, making a hunt. It did, turned out Thursday was a, was a pretty good day and we were feeling optimistic um, just with the amount of animals we'd seen. So, you know, three mile hike back to the truck in the dark. Um, <laughs> that, that hike took a long time. <laughs> took a long time. And it's like, you, you know, found every fucking. <laughs> oh my gosh. I about broke my ankle twice. I mean, what are the odds? I found two gopher holes, one on each foot or on each leg, one of which Every I prairie dog hole in the unit you kept walking. I just into. kept walking right into and burying all the way up to my, you know, above my knee. The Lord knows how I didn't break anything, but um, if it was yes. my fat ass, I definitely would have broken something. <laughs> yeah, well, I told you, my only saving grace is that I've I've fallen so many times in the woods that I know I know how to fall and not hurt myself. So. Um, don't fight it exactly so so yeah that was thursday felt like we had a good chance on friday and so friday um garrett was coming out with us and um jackson new team member shout out to jackson came out did some filming yeah old jackson hole the intern um came out and did a little filming so met up with those guys and got out there friday and the, the plan friday was basically just get after it all day um, or until we kill something. And so, yeah, walk us through, uh, walk us through what our plan was Friday based on what we saw and then what ended up happening. Yeah. So we wanted to get back to the high side of the unit, which is deceptively high when you're looking at it from the, like the parking lot, there's only, there's three parking lots that you can park into around the unit. And we, we have one that we like in particular and it's the least popular of the three too. Uh, But it's got good access into the high side. And when you're looking at it from the base, it doesn't seem that high until you get up there. And then when you get up there, you can see a lot and then you can see where they're bedded, where they're at. And you just have a good visual across. I don't know. I'd say 30% of the unit, at least Mm -hmm. you can see a significant portion of it. Yeah. At a couple places, it's, it's more than that. It might be pushing 50%. I mean, there's some really good visibility in a couple of specific locations. Yeah. And so that was kind of our, and then the other thing that is a benefit is you have a series of those drainages coming down. And so as you're crossing, you've always got the chance that you're just going to come up face to face with one and and be able to take that snap close shot or one comes busting over the ridge, which happens. And a couple of times it bit us in the ass because we were either on one of the ridges that was too far for a shot, or we might've been, you know, getting a little complacent looking at our feet and we didn't quite react quick enough, but the problem on Friday was just how fucking pressured we didn't find. I don't even know. Did we stalk Friday? We really didn't have what I would We had consider. the first one that was really good. Well, kind of really good. It was, we were kind of flat, but I think we could, you still could have crawled in there. And that yeah. was when those two yahoos walked around, saw him, stopped, stood there, and then just kept walking and busted our stock on that one. Right. And that yeah, was our we- best opportunity on Friday was that first buck we saw. 
Yeah, and we, I mean, we weren't in a great spot then, but we definitely, and we had, I mean, we had just gotten there, and the plan was, like say, to get high, and we start going, you know, to do that, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a buck, and it's, again, similar yeah. kind of deal, single buck by himself, didn't know we were there, we had a, we had a good um, opportunity to hide, it was, it would have been a difficult stalk, but he was, he was moving kind of our direction, and so. And you were low crawl, like, the veg, the grass was high enough that if you were, like, just, just sucking the cactus up and taking yeah. your time. I yeah. think that play was a good play. Yeah, it was, it was definitely had a chance. And then, yeah, those two guys just. And then after that, other than seeing some ridge to ridge, we saw a ton. We did a lot more glass than we sat high. And what we were trying to find was, so when you're hunting in the morning, they're, you're going to get them grazing. They're still moving around and grazing. And then about midday, Anywhere we've seen a bed down around 10, but usually it's 11 to like two to three. Um, they're going to try to go find a bed and they want to get into, they kind of try to get on the reverse slope of an IV line where they can kind of see out and then they'll have some like, and when they're in a, a herd of however many, they all kind of look in different directions. Right. We talked about it in the past. It's almost like a patrol base in the army where they're like pulling security. It's pretty and impressive it's, to be honest. It is like it's, and it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. And, but a lot of times because they will get on that reverse slope, you have a play to be able to come up the backside of whatever that IV line is. IV to define, if you haven't listened to us talk about it, it's an intervisibility line. That's the line of the micro terrain when you're looking at it and you can, you can't see on the backside. So it's like the horizon line or like whatever that micro terrain is, you know, that's the, the military crest. Like that's that line right there. Um, So you want to stay, you always want to be glassing as you're crossing them and then don't, you know, skyline yourself or skyline yourself as little as possible because that will be on the backside and defilade. And so when you're, we're trying to find a bed like midday so then we can make a play. Midday is when a lot of the hunters leave the unit. It's actually a good time to hunt them because they're bedding down. But fuck me if just more guys didn't keep showing up. Everybody Gosh. was getting off. You know, I'm sure because Thursday was opening day. Friday, I'm sure everybody was getting off work early. They were taking a half day or whatever. And so we didn't find a single not moving antelope. Like there was none that were grazing. There was none that like all the rest of the day after that first one um, that I can think of. I mean, we might've had a half-hearted stalk on a couple. Uh, oh no, that was the day with the the truck. It was the day with the truck. So, okay. We so we did have a good opportunity. They got blown. So yeah. this one pissed me the fuck off. This actually got a shit. Somebody else complained about this and uh, one of the Colorado pages, but <laughs> this guy, so a lot of most of the state trust land in Colorado, at least the stuff that I've hunted, there's designated parking lots, and it's the only access point. You can't cross the fence, you nope. can't park on the side of the fucking road, right? And that's just the, the way the state writes it. And we actually Which had really, that conversation with with a warden two years ago. He was just there mm-hmm. doing a routine check. We were at the parking lot. He checked our stuff. We ended up talking to the guy for a while. We ended up being a really nice guy, and he was just kind of you know asking us what we thought about the unit. Like I said, it was brand new. And, um, that came up and, you know, we said, Hey, we kind of like the fact that you can only access it from these specific parking locations because it, you know, it means you have to kind of have to put in the work. If you just, you can't just spot them from the road, pick a way to get there and, you know, go put a stalk on, like you have to, you know, you have to put yourself in the unit. We'll still scout from the road. Sure. We'll try to find some from the road. And then we kind of mark them and then we drive back to the point and then we walk the two miles in to try to find them again. You know, like it's not like 
But yeah, this fucking dickhead. And I'm sure, honestly, my guess is he didn't know. He didn't pay attention to the reg. Yeah. But he pulls off, parks, and then starts crawling in after some. Yep. That we had spotted. And so we, we kind of like let him go. It actually thought it was going to work out to our benefit because then below his truck, there's like a low depression where there's more moisture. So it's significantly greener down there. Yep. And there was a stack of them right there. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. And they're like, they're not paying attention. We had a good IV line to be able to get up close. They weren't that I'm far sitting off. back watching. Nope. Perry's crawling forward. You were probably close to 200, right? Yeah. I think when we first what? saw him, yeah, we were like, I don't know, three, 350, maybe four yeah, of the most. You had already closed probably about 100. Yeah, we, we could close easily and then, you know, hopefully crawl the last 100 or something. We're just talking about continuous, you know, the continuation of our bad luck. So the morning, that morning we had that buck and two hunters walked in on us. Well, a motorcycle, it looked like broke down on the other side of that truck right off the highway. So we were within <laughs> eyesight of the highway. Well, a lot of these antelope, they get queued in to parked vehicles because they get shot at from the road all the time. And so that motorcycle is there. Well, then one truck and then a flatbed truck pull up that are like helping get that. And when that big flatbed truck rolls up and stops, Cole just texted me and said, y'all record the podcast yet? <laughs> He's in the Dominican Republic. He's going to have to stay up late editing this. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I love you, dude. Uh, but that flatbed truck stops. And as soon as it fucking stops, dude, they booger out of there. Yeah, and you were gone. like, Oh like, my gosh. I was like, what I did was, I do wrong? They, these goats did not see me. There's no way. I was like, there's no I, way. Yeah. And no. they just boogered out of there, and which was just heartbreaking. Right. And then from there, we got high, and then it's continued to glass, and then just, you know, not a lot. It was, no. it was tough sledding uh, the rest of the night. And, but we knew we, had a, we were going to hunt uh, again. We weren't going to hunt Saturday and Sunday because I, I have no interest in that unit on a weekend. Right. Because um, it just gets crazy. Thursday and, and Friday with the pressure. Oh, I finally just got this cactus needle out of my hand. Nice. That's I'm the other sure. downside of these fucking hunts is all the cactus. Yeah. I'll be picking cactus out of my hand for a month. Yeah. That one was a big relief. But yeah, it, yeah, it's just so we had that blown two blown opportunities. We were out there dark to dark. Yeah, we I mean, we ended up we seeing left that a little. We, we left, we left a, little a little bit early, early that day. Yeah. We, we ended up seeing that massive herd of like 30, maybe pushing 40 um, antelope. But again, you just can't make a move on a herd that size. There's just too many eyes on you. And they ended up getting bumped by a guy that I think it was that same guy that had come from the road. They mm -hmm. got bumped. They headed into the heart of the unit. We went down there. We set up on a couple of spots where we had good vantage points and we could see. And I mean, we were just watching hunters push goats all over the freaking place, all afternoon long and we just decided to try a little bit new strategy and just kind of like say post up on some of those ridges and hope one would kind of come to us it almost worked honestly there were a couple we just like we ended up being a couple like a ridge too far one way or another two or three times yeah. um which when you do that you're just kind of hoping to get lucky and and uh, we didn't but viable strategy so yeah, we knew we weren't hunting that weekend. We're going to let the all the other guys have it, go hang out with the family. And uh, we had kind of built in Monday as a flex day anyway. And so the plan was to come back Monday. Well, as tends to happen, Luke and I <laughs> stayed up a little too late Sunday night, um, having some really good conversation about business and, and other things, which certainly 
never, never mad about that, but stayed up a little late Sunday night. And, uh, but I will say we went to bed, we went to bed at two, which is early for sometimes fast. Yeah. Yeah, We went to bed, but the three and a half hours of sleep or whatever that I got, my brain wasn't apparently functioning, wasn't firing on all cylinders. So (laughs) we get all the way out to the, and I say all the way, it's like a 40 minute drive. It's not that bad, but, um, get all the way out there. And I realized that I forgot my orange vest. I've got my hat, but I don't have my vest. And I was just like, when we were fuck. walking out, we we're like trying to unfuck our lives. Cause you know, we had pulled a bunch of stuff out of the vehicles because we had put the car seats back in and the kids and <laughs> instead of leaving all the gear, just in the truck. Right. We had to like, yep. so I'm like, all right, at the end of the day, the only thing we really fucking need is our muzzle loaders with, you know, ammunition, make sure they're loaded. Yep. We need our tags, our IDs and our orange. Yep. Perry looks at me and goes, yep. And we yep. jump in the truck and we get, we are, we are, I'm turning on to the road that's going to take <laughs> us to the parking lot. And he goes, I hope my orange is back there. And I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Son of a bitch. So thanks to my wife, I called her. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it, <laughs> it wasn't back there. Yeah. It was not in the truck. Uh, it was not in the bag. It was not anywhere. So thanks to my wife, I called her. She uh, she met us out there, brought us the vest, and we ended up just getting a bit of a late start. But that was fine. We had no real schedule for Monday. We saw some other hunters, saw some trucks. Didn't look to be extremely crowded, and we saw a couple goats. Well, that was while we were waiting. To, you were calling Melissa. We actually drove around the unit more than we yeah. usually do. Did some we spotted. We actually spotted several groups, which I was kind of surprised on Monday. I was like, man, I figured Monday was going to be tough sledding, but we spotted a bunch from the road. Right. And so we drove back to the parking lot, and then we were going to make a play on them. Yeah. Well, so we uh, we started going in. We, we went to, just based on what we saw from the road scouting and where all these, where all these antelope were, we went to – we used our same parking lot that we normally do, but we approached uh, a different side of the, of the, uh, of the unit there and just got a little bit complacent. We crested this IV line and we hadn't cleared it with our binoculars before we, before we did. And there ended up being a group of, of antelope down there. Pretty sure they saw us. I'm almost positive that they saw us, but it's, I mean, I literally crested the ridge, saw the antelope, and it's like... See, I'm not sure they are, because they were still grazing and looking to the south, and they didn't respond. Like, when we saw them, they got too high, and then immediately backed up, immediately and they didn't react. No, they, Usually, they, they would stop, and all have been staring at us, and they were not. Right. So, I mean, maybe they didn't. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe one did. They didn't booger off, which was... No. So, we... They kept grazing. Yeah, That's why yeah, I don't they, think they saw us. Yeah, they were they were right there. I mean, again, it was a similar kind of deal as as the as Friday, where they were kind of down in one of these little depressions with some green vegetation, and they were they were grazing. And we had um, when we first crested. I mean, I don't know how far we were, but it wasn't that far. And there was definitely mm-hmm. an opportunity to to get up to the top and then low crawl using the higher veg and and uh, make a stalk. And so that's what I started doing. Took the bag off and I just started crawling and we had noticed before we crested this hill and saw the antelope that there were two hunters that had pulled in after we did and were kind of following us in. They were behind us. Um, and they were, they were just a little bit to the, 
to the south of us, but they were on a similar trajectory. And we saw these antelope, and I start crawling to make a play, and we look over, and these two <laughs> jackasses are just paralleling this fence that runs down there and is immediately on a straight line course to basically where these antelope are. And I don't know whether they didn't see them. I don't know whether they just were like thought that they were far enough away that it wouldn't spook the antelope. But here I am low crawling through the cactus <laughs> trying to make a play. And these two yahoos just come, you know, waltzing in there, not a care in the world and antelope fucked right off. I mean, that was the story of this fucking hunt. Yeah. And I don't know that I watched a single hunter hunt the way we were. And I won't say we did it all the time because we didn't. We definitely got caught with our peckers in our hands a couple times, cresting some of these IV lines. But for the most part, I'd say damn near 70, 80% of the time, every time we come up to an IV line, one of us is fucking glasses up. And then that reminds the other one glass up, right? Yep. And then you're taking three, two, three steps, glassing and scanning, taking two, three steps, glassing and scanning you're looking for ears and horns you want to see that top end of that antelope's head before you crest where it can see you so you can make that play and like these guys just bumble fuck their way through these units and you'll watch guys just not just walking not looking not scanning staring at their goddamn feet and we'll be glassing them and they're just pushing goats every which way it's like fuck boys like pay attention like if you're gonna go out and hunt you're gonna buy the tag that's my biggest issue with this unit is they hand out doe tags. Yeah. And so residents will just buy them. And I, I think a lot of these guys are probably first time hunters, which I'm all about new guys getting out. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know, but like, Jesus Christ, at least hunt. Well, we were talking walk about through it. The fucking bedding and where they're grazing and just blast through everything. Right. And that's what, the, I mean, that's, that's what fucked us every single time. Yeah, I can. We talked about it when we were out there, and this it's part of the frustration with public land, right? And you want there to be an opportunity for the public to get out there and and have an opportunity, enjoy these places, just like we are. Like, I will support that forever. On the other hand, it makes it really frustrating when there's the appearance of just total ineptitude. And I mean, I can honestly say, the first time we did this hunt, every every blown opportunity was like a mistake that we made or maybe not everyone, but, but the vast majority of them is we were learning what to do and what not to do. And we made the mistakes and like, okay, but then we, you know, you try to correct that this year. I can honestly say that I feel like every blown opportunity that we had was because of somebody else. And that's frustrating. Yeah. Let me get to the, my favorite one. Yeah. So that, so it all culminated my boy. after this. And I, I was, <laughs> so we're glassing. So I see this one guy, and this guy is another guy who's just dipshitting along, not paying attention to anything. But he's going the opposite direction. We think he's going back to the truck. Well, then we see some antelope. He actually J-hooks and then comes around towards them, and we're like, all right, well, fuck it. But he's in front of us. Let's We're going to fuck off to the, to the south. So we go around, and I'm scanning, Perry's scanning. Perry's got brand new LASIK eye, eye surgery. He's been picking them out way, but you, our entire lives, I've had the game eye over him, and now he's just picking them out. Um, he was crushing it, so he he picks out this this uh, buck. I honestly think it was a different one than we ended up on because I feel like that first one we saw was big. Yeah, I was I was telling Drew about it this morning. Yeah. I, I do too. I mean, it's hard to say because it looked like it was in the same area, but but I, he he looked way bigger than the spike. And, and he was well, a anyways, long ways off. Yeah, doesn't matter. We saw a buck. 
That's why I think it was probably a different one because he was so long off. I could tell he was a buck. Right. Anyway, so we, we make a move on him. He, and maybe he fucked off. Maybe we honestly, the way the topography is, is like he could have still been there. And we had no idea yeah. because there's these depressions and dips and you just don't know, but we find the spike and he's bedded and legal buck <laughs> and it's a muzzleloader yeah. and it's the oh, last, last day. Event. And I, you know, I very much, I paid $37 for my tag. Perry paid 300 and something. I wanted him to get the goat. I don't really care. I'm, I'm out there hunting. I want to kill something too, but I'm like, all right, let's get this thing on the ground. And so we get the stock going by himself. Well, the spike well, was, well, we were stupid and we thought he was, he was looking the other direction and we were, we were kind of being a little bit too aggressive and we were moving to a gap in the fence. And by a gap in the fence, I mean, it's one of those like barbed wire gates that, that yep. you have out West. So that's what we we're going across to get to the other side to try to come go to South and then flank back up to the North to get underneath them to crest. But the where we were, there's just no way we could get down there without him seeing us. And sure enough, he saw us and he stood up. And so immediately we were like, fuck it. I was like, lay down. And so we just laid down, had some trail mix, had some water. I think I napped for a minute. Like we, we <laughs> sat there for a long time until they bedded back down. And yes. that's the, the game is like, you got to be patient. And so he, he calmed back down and we would periodically pop up and take a look, make sure he was there. Nothing was going on. Well, Perry looks up at a certain point and he's like, fuck, he's standing back up. And I'm like, how? There's no way in hell he knows we're here. And at this point, we were, I don't know, 300 yards from him? Yeah, not that far. I'd not say far probably, at all. Probably 300. Because yeah. we were, the fence was 51 away. Fence was 51. It might have been less than that, because I think you might have had a shot from the fence. Yeah. So it was hard to tell. We couldn't get a range on him because of the fence and the grass with how low we were. I couldn't get him. I kept hitting. He might have been like 200. And we're, we're pretty close. And I look up. And that dipshit who had been in front of us bumble fucking around is right there. I'm like, he's, he just stood up and he's looking to the north. And Luke looks over there and he's like, motherfucker. And I'm like, damn and it. So I sit up because I'm a little bit further north. I mean, Perry and I are probably offset by like 10 meters. And so I have a little more of the, the way the ridge was. I was a little more hidden. So I sit up so the hunter can see me. And I'm like waving him off. And I'm pointing. I'm like, yeah, like this is us, motherfucker. And I can see him like glassing us. So I'm mouthing like, this is us, motherfucker. Like, get out of here. Well, he kind of, he, he like, I thought he fucked off. Like, he kind of like wanders back. And the, the antelope's up, and he's kind of on edge now. And I'm like, Perry, you probably, we probably just didn't make a play. And you, you were like, yeah, like, let's, let's go. And so you start crawling up. I was like, just get to the fence, hunker down. I'll watch. And <laughs> you start going. And I, like, I'm looking, and like, you get, I don't know, three quarters of the way. And I look up, and it looks like, a western right i've got like horses running right at me well it's th it's three antelope bucks and i'm like holy shit so i whistle to you you look up you see them you point you point i'm like yeah i'm like go after that i don't know like we're, we've got a lot going on right now and so i get the tripod my tripod set up you had my shooting stick and get that set i got the muzzleloader on there and i'm set perfectly because of where that iv line was is i can see them as they're coming closer to me through the grass. So I yep. know they can't see me. I'm burning through with the binos. When I got that fence at 51, I'd already ranged it. And so I'm like, oh my, they're going to run. They're just like continuing to come to me. And I'm like, worst case, they're going to go to you. Best case, they're going to go to me. You're going to, you're almost at that spike. I'm like, this is, this is silly. Cause even if you shoot, they don't usually booger off from the gunshot from what I've seen. And I'm like, 
we might be able to get two antelope on the ground right here. Like this is crazy. We've been it's we've true. been talking this whole trip about how we just need a little bit of luck. All the mm-hmm. luck that we've had has been bad from these other hunters pushing antelope around us when we're trying to make plays. And we just and they can happen out there, right? Sometimes these antelope literally run right on top of you. Yeah. And we just need like a little bit of luck. We've been talking the whole time about that, and we're like, oh shit, this might be it. Yep. Yep. And and I'm I'm like this is insane. I got the I got. You know, I've got a tripod with the clamp, clamp the muzzle loader in. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, 51. That doesn't matter if my zero is tight or not. Like, I got this <laughs> motherfucker, like, whatever. And there's there's one good one and two spikes. And I would have shot any of them, but I'm like, well, I'm going to shoot the bigger one, obviously. Yeah. And then I'm like, this is this is perfect. I get a bigger one than Perry. Perry kills a spike. It's still good. My conscience is feeling great. I'm excited <laughs> as hell. They're coming. They're coming. I ranged them. They're like 351 or some shit like that. And I'm like, I made that number up. But I think it was like three, just three something. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. And they're, I mean, they're just getting closer and closer. You're almost at the fence. Yep. And then all of a sudden that spike just. He's gone. Buggers. And I, I'm looking over there and then I look up and then I see the fucking, those three turn at a 90 degree angle and run to the south. And they actually are running faster. The spike gets ahead or they get ahead of the spike and the spike kind of trails them. And I'm like, what the fuck just happens? And I look, and Dildo Saggins just wanders his ass back in, and he's fucking bebopping through, just standing there. Oh my and I'm gosh. like, I just stand up, like, incredible. You were smart enough to kind of keep hunting. But in the moment, I just stood the fuck up with my arms up. Like, what did you just do? And this guy's in the middle. Now he's in between me. He's kind of in between me and you. Yep. I mean, and in between me and where those other three were. And he just walked into the center of all this shit unfolding. Yep. He was literally walking right down the middle of this drainage, right out in the open. And on so, the fence line. Yep. Like that and fence I, that was 51 meters in front of me. He's walking right down it. So I see the three make that 90 degree turn and head down, you know, down the ridge towards the bottom. The spike is down there too. But like you said, they J hook and they start to, I'm watching and I just stay down at this point. I'm looking at this guy going unreal. Like, of course. Of course this happens because this is just the kind of look we've had. And but I'm watching these these antelope and they start kind of J hooking back to the east. And it's looking that was like when I was like, all right, I should probably keep hunting, so I drop that down. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, man, these things are gonna are gonna go down there, cross the fence, and then head back to the east and basically like, you know, flank this guy that just spooked the hell out of them. And so I was like, Well, I can get up to those gates because those those gates like that that intersection of those fences you were talking about wasn't that far from me at this point. It's probably you know 40 yards away or so. And these goats are running. They're spooked at this point. And I've got the structure of the fence and the posts and the gate. You know, there's a lot more structure there. And so I just kind of made myself, you know, low and got up there as quick as I could. And I was like, I don't think they're going to cross within range. But sometimes these things do silly things when they're crossing fences. We've seen them run back and forth. I was like, there's a chance, you know, they're not 800 yards away at this point. They're probably like, I, I didn't know, probably within 300. So I'm like, I'm just going to get up here, get set on the fence and get ready just in case one of them does something silly and runs right at me, which is a possibility. Mm-hmm. And so I do that. They cross the fence and they just take off and they're just gone to the east. I ranged the spot where they well, crossed. They, well, they ran up that ridge and they stopped for a second. Yeah. And that was when I was like, fucking Hail Mary. I pulled the game bag up, and I'm just waving it. <laughs> I looked just, back and saw you waving. I was like, hey, 
Might as well give it a shot. Like, at this point, like, what do we have to lose? Right. And that fucking Yahoo is just standing there, right, yeah. just right there, right there. I'm like, I want to shoot you, motherfucker. So I, I range where these goats cross the fence, and it was like 271 or something like that. Out of range, <sighs> didn't have a shot. Close enough to where, like, I could, you know, it's just heartbreaking. Dude. I range it and I look over to my right and this cocksucker is walking right to me. I'm just like, oh, damn it. He wants to come talk. And so I just sat there. I was just completely deflated at that point. I mean, I was just, it was over it. And the worst part of all of it is he walks up and he goes, were those three bucks? No, no, do his voice. <laughs> <laughs> that you did for me. <laughs> This is why he got the name Dildo Saggins when I'm talking about him. <laughs> he walks up and he goes, were those three bucks? And I'm like, yeah, dude, they were three bucks. I was like, one of them was pretty decent. I was like, two spikes and a decent one. He's like, oh, you guys got buck tags? I was like, yeah, man, we've got buck tags. He goes, oh, I've only got a doe tag. I was like, you son of a bitch. You could not have ruined that hunt for for us any more perfectly if you had been intentionally trying to do so. I wish you had said that, but you were way too nice. You said, was, oh, not a big deal, man. I was too nice. He, there's four bucks around him. He can't legally shoot any of them. All he would have had to do is lie down, be aware of the fact that there's four bucks, there's two other hunters there making a play, lie down. We were like a, clearly actively hunting. There's like, no way he didn't see us. Tripod set up, muzzleloader in the tripod, shooting stick, muzzleloader, dude crawling, I'm in the Whoa. fucking almost prone. Like, <laughs> we're clearly fucking hunting and we're wearing blaze orange everywhere. Yeah. Like, you're either the most unaware motherfucker, which is probably 90% chance and he's just stupid or he was intentionally trying to fuck us, which I don't think is the case, but yeah. he could not exactly, he could not have fucked us more. If he set out that morning, woke up, got up early, drank his coffee and was like, I'm going <laughs> to fuck Perry and Luke today and ruin their goddamn hunt. Cause that's what he did. Man, fuck, I'm he, still mad. I was, I, it's a good thing. I might've like, I was so hot. Yeah. I was he, ready. To, I would have, chew, I would have, chew, I, I mean, I'm not saying I would have assaulted him cause I wouldn't have done that, but I would have chewed his ass. I was extremely, I was, I was going to dress him down pretty good. If he had all, continued to walk up. All he would have had to do is take himself out of the picture, lay yes, down, just make lay himself down. prone, make himself, you know, hide, invisible. Well, and what's those, he do? He stands the fuck up and walks in. And it's a good lesson to like those out there, especially if you're inexperienced. On public I hope land. you listen to this, you motherfucker. <laughs> I hope you're a fan. Fuck you. Come home with. I'll, actually, I'll take you out next year. Holler at me, and I'll we'll, I'll teach you how to do this shit. Yeah. You can get close to him and not fucking dildo your way through this. Is, I, he's like, I'm like, man, he goes, I'm like, yeah, those are bucks. We have buck tags. He goes, oh, well, hope I didn't ruin your stock. I just said, I just said, all good and walked away. I, I, I didn't have the energy. Hope I, I didn't was, ruin your stock. <laughs> like, Couldn't have fucked you harder if I tried. <laughs> Bite the pillow, going yeah. in raw. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. That was, it was. And, I, and I'll, I'll admit, we both were just... We looked around. We saw some other antelope here and there, and but we—I think that was just the straw. I was like, I'm no. fucking tired. We, like, we had already we, walked a good bit, and it, I don't—we don't mind walking. I mean, we'll fuck. We put twenty miles, twenty-seven miles last year in that unit. First yeah. day, we put—I don't know—my step count was at like thirty thousand. So like, yeah. we'll put the mileage in. It's just we walked three back to the fuck. truck. 
yeah. after we were done hunting. I mean, but yeah. it's just it, it just it is. You're just like, and it, it it's a mind fuck when you when you're looking out there and you're you got to play, and you see these fucking dudes bumbling around, and you're like, there's a decent chance that they either bumble their way in or they see them and then they bumble their way in because they don't actually know how to stock they don't use the terrain they don't use the you know the iv lines they're not paying attention they're not glassing their way in and like i get it it's a skill set but holy shit like i fucked this up the first day that i was out there hunting last year i blew out several by halfway through that first day i figured out how to get like start stalking these things and like use the train and then by the time you got there i was like hey this is how we have to do this and then we got better and better and better and better no this was monday like i'm assuming these guys had not didn't just show up on monday they're probably out there on the weekend you should have learned something like jesus christ boys you killed killing me Yep. It is what it is. It's public land hunting and it's part of it. And as frustrating as it is, like I do love the fact that we have the opportunity to have these lands, have the access, have folks out there. And like we were saying the whole time as we're being like, look at these jackasses. You know, if we met them in the trailhead, we'd hand them a beer out of the cooler and hang out. For sure. With them. I'd yeah. even bullshit with that dude that fucked us. I would talk a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. But, you know, if you are listening to this, you're I don't I don't hate you that much. <laughs> you can redeem yourself just by Luca beer. Yeah, buy me or a beer, 12. ranch water, yeah. Lone River. Don't buy me the other ones. Yeah, no. So it, I mean, it, it was we, still fucking pretty badass, though. It, I, I've had a blast both both years we've done this hunt. I've had a lot of fun. It's been great learning for me. I've learned a ton about antelope, which you know I didn't know. The learning curve shortening. Like I learned nothing the first year I hunted antelope because I was out there in a unit which was, was blown out, and I got lucky. A doe ran up to me and I shot her. I went yeah. home the first day. I'm almost died of thirst but <laughs> you learned <laughs> to pack more water in. yeah we, we packed a lot more water in this year but like well and so i mean that's a, it's a good a good time to transition because here we have another antelope hunt coming up in wyoming here very shortly this this hunt kind of ended up being a bit of a bonus um for both of us uh but for me in particular um the wyoming hunt that we have planned for a couple weeks from now is was my primary focus for this year and that's a rifle mm-hmm. hunt and so i'm really excited to take what we've learned hunting antelope with muzzleloaders on this unit the past couple of years and go try to apply it in Wyoming with a rifle in my hand and and on private how, land and on private land where we don't have the the pressure issue it and, gives me a significant amount of confidence going into this hunt like yeah, I, I can say without a shadow of a doubt I know how to hunt antelope I know how to yeah. get close to them am I going to get to bow range it's hard in that, in that unit, it's almost impossible because there's no cover. You don't have any very, you have very little steep terrain where you can get on top of them. That's a tough one to hunt with a bow in the, or that that piece of the public. Um, but muzzleloader, I'm confident I can even get within muzzleloader range because we, we did it even this yep. this trip. In the last trip, I did it a bunch. I just didn't have the right gear. And so, like, I have that confidence now. Now you can put a rifle in my hand. I think we're going to have goats on the ground. Now it's hunting. It's not killing. Right. And so a lot of things can go wrong. It can, we don't know the property that well. So there's a lot of, we can't get complacent, but I do think the hunt is worth it for the, because with the muzzleloader, there is less pressure than rifle season. As much pressure as we felt, it's significantly less than rifle. There's still a lot of animals in the unit. So we were watching animals. We've, we've seen hundreds of, antelope that we've been hunting in the past in those two years we've done it and we've stalked dozens at least i mean probably 25 30 stalks each it's hard to replicate that 
and you're not going to get that kind of experience in a rifle unit because you're going to get on one and then you're going to take the shot and like you're going to tag out quick. So the repetition, if we were rifle hunting, we've probably had 20 years of experience in two years on antelope hunting with the muzzleloader versus with a rifle. Yep. You know, if you look at it that way. And so like, that's why I wouldn't trade the last two years at all. And I still, I'm going out tomorrow. So I have a chance, you know, yeah. not a good one. I think the unit's going to be pretty shot by the time I get out there tomorrow. But well, it'll be, uh, I'm stoked. I think Wyoming's going to be a hell of a good time. And I'm excited too, because I think we can get out there early. Because we're not going to be crazy selective. I'm not going to shoot a spike, but I'm not going to also, I'm not holding out for, you know, a 90 inch fucking antelope. Like, you know, whatever we, we, see a good shooter will shoot and then we can take these guys that have never been out West and then do the guide thing and like teach and try to mentor and help them and get them on some, some animals. So it's going to be a hell of a time. Yeah. I'm excited to to apply what we've learned. And I mean, we, we did, we have taken already some lessons learned and we're, we got a day and a half built in on the front end to make sure our our gears square away and get camp set up. And, and when it actually comes the first day to hunt, we'll be able to, to hunt starting, you know, day one hour one and then it's going to be a good group of guys there's six of us out there going out there some of which have hunted western some of which haven't and so it'll be they say it'll be fun i'm hoping that, that those of us that have will tag out relatively early and then we can spend some time with the other guys but um because i know they'll learn a lot and you know just the same way that we have and and uh yeah man i'm it don't uh no regrets other than the fact that we couldn't couldn't seal the deal and uh Looking forward to Wyoming for sure. Yeah. I mean, after that experience, you know, I think that it, I love public land. I think public land hunting is overrated. I'll be honest. It's gotten like this weird mystique around it these days where people think it's like elite. It's a good reality check. I prefer to hunt where there's not a lot of people. And so like, that's, what's really cool about infinite outdoors, which is, who we're using for this hunt. If you guys aren't familiar, we had Sam on the podcast several times, go check it out. We've talked about infinite and then we all also had him on to talk about Wyoming and the situation. The dude's a wealth of knowledge. Um, but yeah, infinite is, it's basically, you know, it's way more than this, but in layman's terms, it's like the Airbnb of hunting and it's really cool. And it gives you private land access. You're going to pay for it, right? It's not cheap, but it's also affordable. And when you factor in, the time, the pressure, everything you're doing, the invest, investment already to come out west, buy your tags, especially if you're traveling from the east. I, I'm a big fan of paying for the access, right? I, I would much rather – plus to me, it's just the experience. Like I don't yeah. mind seeing hunters on the landscape. I get really fucking frustrated when hunters are like up in my che- – like pissing on my Cheerios, like what happened with us. Yeah. And so I'll pay 1200 bucks to not see another person for five days. Yeah. To me, that's worth it. You know, it's – a little more than 200 bucks a day. Like I, I'll pull in a few extra hours at work or, or do something to make some extra cash, save a little bit longer for that hunt. And so infinite's given us that opportunity. This is our first hunt, uh, utilizing infinite and, and leveraging their app and everything. So we'll, we'll definitely keep you guys posted on how it goes, but I'm excited for it. I like the idea. I like a mix. I hunt yep. both. Like I'll probably do this muzzleloader hunt as long as I live on the front range because it's like right in my backyard and it's, it's fun. It's a lot of, I mean, it sucks. It's type two fun, but it, it yep. is, there's, it's always cool when you go on a hunt and you're just seeing a lot of critters, you know, what, what really fucks with you when you're hunting elk and you've been out there for four and a half days and you're like, I haven't seen anything. That's what sucks. So if, yeah. I, if I'm in an area where I'm seeing a lot of animals, what I'm after, I, I can keep doing that all day. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, like I said, just the reps that we've gotten, I mean, 
and the reality is me and you always have a good time when we're hunting together. I mean, we were, we were hunting pretty seriously for the most part, but there's still a fair bit of cutting up and bullshitting. And when we weren't in the middle of, you know, hunting, I mean, we're, we're having a good time. So there's a couple of times we just kept getting fucked so hard. We just couldn't help. We just sit there and belly laugh. Like you can't even make this up. Like, you know, sometimes it's just not your year. And I think that might be the case out here right now. Cause we couldn't, uh, we couldn't have planned it better to not kill an antelope with other hunters. No, fucking crazy. It was, it was a hell of a good time. Yeah. And I I would do it all again. I mean, at some point I want to kill a freaking antelope in that unit with my muzzleloader. And when I do, it will be all the more satisfying. Yep. So, Even if it takes three, four years, I'm going to yep. do it going. until that unit's totally blown out. I'm about it. Yep. For sure. Well, shit. Good stuff. I think that pretty much covers it. I think we should we'll roll. Let's jump directly and do a Tuesday tips after this because we need one anyways. Because I got a couple of things that lessons learned that we'll just throw straight in. So okay. you guys will hear this the Tuesday tips coming out of this episode on the next Tuesday. So if you want some like tactical level advice on... Uh, antelope hunting tune in for that i appreciate the hell out of you guys as always we love you thanks